0: I'm Derek Thompson, the host of The Ringer podcast, Plain English. Look, a lot of news these days is kind of nonsense. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just trying to ask the questions that matter from people who know more than I do about everything I'm curious about. And that's most things. Recession fears, AI hyperbole, psychology, productivity, China, war, streaming, movies, sports, you name it. The world without jargon. The news without bias. Plain English with Derek Thompson, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view it's historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com. To try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions all apply. See website for details.
1: Hi, I'm Tara Palmieri. I'm Puck senior political correspondent, and this is Somebody's Gotta Win. On this episode, I'm doing a little navel-gazing. I am looking at how the media will cover the Trump show now that it looks increasingly like he will be the Republican nominee. Will they cover every rally, every courthouse statement, every truth social post, or will they decide to mute him out to say, these are lies. We don't want to give him the airtime. And in essence, perhaps sort of block... Voters from the chaos of Trump. And if they decide to cover the ins and outs of the Trump world and the drama around him, will Biden even be heard in all of it? So he can tout his accomplishments, which is what the White House is always complaining about. They say that the mainstream media does not cover the fact that the economy is doing better, that he passed an infrastructure deal. They have their own gripes. Some might say, They should be better at using the bully pulpit, right? At the same time, is it a good thing for Biden that Trump is being covered aggressively and he's sort of being ignored? Because after all, the campaign seems to think that once it becomes a choice between Trump and Biden, that moderates and independents will choose Biden because they don't want the chaos of Trump. But if the chaos of Trump isn't being covered at all, then maybe they'll be lulled into thinking it's not that bad. Or they may not be thinking about it at all. Maybe they're tuning out the election altogether. So to talk about what the next year will be like when you turn your television on, when you look at your phone, and when you're, you know, reading news on on your computer, I've got Brian Stelter with me just to sort of break down what we should expect. Is this going to be, you know, wall-to-wall coverage of Donald Trump? Do we expect it to be more moderated? Are people just tuned out completely? He is the host of Vanity Fair's Inside the Hive podcast and the author of Network of Lies, the epic saga of Fox News, Donald Trump, and the battle for American democracy. Okay, Brian, what is it going to be like? Is this going to be like 2016 all over again, where we're looking at empty podiums and, you know, waiting for Donald Trump to come out before he's got a stump speech or... (laughs) Is this going to be, you know, everything he says is going to play out on cable news, every tweet deciphered or truth, you know, by the New York Times or Mm. are we past that? It feels like it.
2: I think we are past it. And. Look, First of all, this is the conversation I have at every dinner party. I guess I'm a pretty bad dinner party guest. But, you know, around every table, you know, (laughs) when I I visit executives at newsrooms, when I talk to publishers, it's all a version of this conversation. Uh, It still is, even though Trump has been this political figure for almost a decade. It is still, this is still the conversation. Um, But I think there's a, a couple of big differences from 2016, right? 2008 was a hope and change election. 2016 was for Trump voters, a hope and change election. 2024 is not setting up to be anything hopeful or anything about change. Like 2024 is setting up to be about exhaustion, about depression, about an audience, an electorate that's disaffected, disillusioned, uh, disappointed by these likely two main characters, right? Like we, we see it in the polls. You saw it in New Hampshire and in other states. There are people who are- There's malaise. There's malaise. And even the people who are voting aren't very happy about it. Uh, a lot of people are just tuned out. So I think we have to first. There's of also people who want
1: disruption. In. I would say Trump voters want disruption right now. They don't want Biden anymore. And so they want to disrupt the system. And there are Biden people who just want to keep But it's not coming. Continue.
2: That's true. They want change, but they don't want it. It's not coming from a hopeful place. It's not coming from like a I'm so excited to go out and cast my vote. It's isn't it more about revenge and retribution? So it's a there's a darkness to this election that didn't uh, exist before. I think
1: they're unhappy with the state that we're in right now and they want a disruptor to come in and gut the government and change everything. And they I, that's my from talking to voters yeah. that are and Trump in voters. In part of
2: course informed by a propaganda machine that has told them the country has gone to hell, right? Also, there's a bit of the nostalgia.
1: Ruined. There is for those voters there's a bit of nostalgia about the economy under Trump and the belief that Trump didn't get to finish his term. So it's kind of a bit, I think it's a bit more nuanced than that.
2: Right. So for for, for them, if they believe Trump should have been reelected or was, but it was some, somehow stolen yes, from him. They, exactly. They just, Trump interrupted and they just want to resume the party. Right. That's exactly. That's he didn't fair. get to finish
1: the job. He did not get to gut the government. He did not get to build right. the wall. He did not get to get rid of the bureaucrats. Let it. And they're very unhappy with what's happening now. And honestly, I bet you a lot of swing voters are very unhappy with Biden right now, just because of the state of the economy and they're having nostalgia for Trump and the days when they didn't have inflation or supply chain issues.
2: And, oh, geez, and that's you're why you're not doing, you're he's not beating doing Trump the whole the polls. You're not doing I mean, then, the whole economy is sour thing, are you? My goodness.
1: Well, people are feeling it. You can't tell them that they're not.
2: They are. Some people are some some people, mostly Republicans, do feel that way. Um, look, I don't like that the price of my iced coffee went up a Dunkin Donuts. But I don't blame Joe Biden for that. I think mo- I think most normal people are not as sour about the economy as uh, Fox News I think News most fans. people
1: know that, like that, the price of everything has gone up twenty percent since. I think 2019 is what they're saying.
2: Right, right, for sure. Everyone feels it. I, I think right. we also see in, in the data recently, especially Democrats, feeling more positive about the economy, but but I, I digress. I, I think your question about Trump is the, the critical question because this is going to be a Trump referendum, uh, even though Trump's going to want it to be a Biden referendum. It's not going to be. It's going to be all about Trump. Uh, but it's going to be all about Trump in a way that's so different from 2020, or, and especially 2016, because his voice will not be as loud. It, it will not be heard as often. And that gets your question. By I, just,
1: I, I just want to say one thing. I kind of disagree. I also think it'll be a referendum on
2: Biden, even though
1: the, the Biden people don't want that.
2: Uh, why? But, but, among, but among who? Biden will among be out there every borders. day. Okay, Biden will be out there every day making this an election about Trump. Right. right. But will
1: they cover Biden is the question.
2: The, the Biden, gets, Biden gets plenty of coverage. The, Does the, he,
1: though? Because I feel like he doesn't get that much coverage.
2: When he wants it, when he wants it. I don't think he, I, don't, I think the White House or the campaign want it every day. You know, they're making these strategic choices about when he speaks and when he doesn't. Um, it seems to me that, they, you know, there's there's some choices there about holding back until later in the year
1: yeah I know, but then again, like I also hear from people that they want they're kind of frustrated that Biden doesn't have the bully pulpit. They can't get the news to cover the good news, right? All they have is pundits on TV talking about everything that Biden's doing wrong. They're very frustrated behind the scenes, yes, like, texting reporters, texting yes. pundits. they want like they want Biden out there and they can't get it and so i'm that's why I sort of wonder, like, will Biden get the bully pulpit or will it be the chaos of the Trump show? and like how does that? affect voters, I
2: guess. (laughs) Well, look, I think Trump benefits by depressing the electorate. And I mean depressing in that sense of like, oh, it's all terrible. Both sides are awful. You know, creating a false equivalency between parties To some extent, Trump benefits from that. Um, But, you know, I I think the difference from the last two campaigns in this one uh, is going to be, well, one of the big differences are the calculations made about when and how to have Trump speak. And that's what you're getting at initially, right? How much will he be heard? How much will he be, in the minds of his fans, censored in the minds of newsrooms? contextualized. <laughs> uh, it, that's just It's a very different conversation than it was pre-January 6th. January 6th caused a dramatic change in how newsrooms approach and handle Trump, you know, his live remarks, his quotes, all of that. Right. But
1: then, like, you're kind of seeing them backtrack a little bit.
2: A little. Sure, a little. I, backtrack. I think what's happening now is there are these are the conversations I'm mentioning where it's a very live discussion about what is the right approach? What is the best approach? Um, And the the answers are going to be numerous. Like there's going to be no single answer. Let me start by pointing out. Well, after January 6th, they
1: did not think he was going to be, they did not think he was running for president again. So they didn't have to cover him, but now he's a presumptive nominee. You
2: know what I mean? Yes. But with a history of inciting insurrection. So there becomes a within a conversation, a uh, calculation about how dangerous he might be. But let me, let me just say off the top, uh, no matter what happens at the New York Times or CNN or MSNBC or ABC or whatever, there will always be a right-wing media propaganda machine that will air everything Trump says. So we should just acknowledge the limits of the importance of this conversation, right? Because no matter, no matter what NBC decides to do, uh, Fox News will air Trump live. Uh, Newsmax will hang on his every word. And if for some weird reason Fox doesn't show it live, like all of the rest of the right-wing fringe machine will beat the crap out of Fox for that, right? Uh, so I, I just think we should acknowledge no matter what no matter how perfectly the new york times fact checks trump <laughs> no matter how thoroughly cnn uh scrutinizes him there's still going to be trump will still be heard with his fans so with that in mind i think that has to influence the decisions made by the cnn's and the abc's uh i don't the think the networks
1: that- i would think have the most like they're, they're probably having the hardest conversations right now. I mean, having worked at ABC News, NBC, CBS, like they have their broadcast. They go out to millions and millions of people and like they only get 30 minutes in a broadcast and uh, it matters what they say in their three-minute package on that's the right. president. And, and they, that's they right. really do. They really do take a lot of, you know, the standards are very high. Um, there's two types of calculations
2: mean, what- for those TV networks, right? There's what to do when he's live and there's breaking news. Or Let's take let's take Trump's convention speech this summer. Trump's going to give a convention speech if he's the nominee. And he's going to say a lot of things that are untrue. And as Rachel Maddow said on MSNBC, there is a cost to your organization to air in those untrue things that's true beyond just Trump, obviously. It's true of any politician. If you air things that are bullshit, there's a cost to your organization. On the the flip side, though, to not show Trump's speech where he is going to deride immigrants and he is going to dehumanize his opponents, to ignore that rhetoric is to... Isn't it to mislead the audience about what's happening? I, I, they're, 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 this is where, you know, this is why these conversations are so complicated among news executives, and very much live and ongoing. And I say that about the live broadcasts. I think it's a lot easier. when you talk about taped packages or you know little, which I feel like are a thing of the past.
1: Frankly, I never see them on TV. I mean on the on the cables. And ta- on the cables, you don't see them, but you see them on the networks.
2: Sure, right. You see you see the 90-second 90, 90 report nightly news, and 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 that's important. And those those in some ways. So I think one of the most interesting jobs in television this year in television news uh, is the role of the editor. Uh, the the tape cutter, you know, the person who decides, what clip are you going to run of Trump? Are you going to show when he's rambling and, and mis- misstating a word and seeming not to be able to pronounce a word? Or well, are you, you going to do that for Biden seconds?
1: too, frankly? That's true. I feel that's, like that's, that's the networks true. have not really been covering his gaffes. It's like they don't cover his mistakes in the same way. Um, and it depends. I, 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 yeah, I think I think, the, I think the, it's a false the,
2: equivalence, but I agree with you. Um, look, I, I think I'm very well aware of how Biden speaks. I watch him live on purpose. I want to see the whole thing. I don't want to see just the cherry picked clips. Uh, but but I think it, it, it just in general, when you're dealing with eighty year old candidates, but if you're going to talk about, about to cut their, are interesting.
1: like yeah, if you're going to talk about their mental acuity or the way they're speaking, then you have to cover Biden in the same way. If you're going to talk about Trump's rhetoric and what he's saying, then that's a different story. Yeah, but, I, like,
2: I, it, I agree with you on that. This I is a game I, I think, of
1: who's in worse shape than,
2: you know. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why the audience is is so depressed about all of this. Um, because we, you know, the, a lot of people think we deserve better. But I think, what you know, the there's a taped conversation that's a little bit easier. Um, same thing for, you know, the Times and the Post and big papers and big outlets. Fact-checking Trump has almost gone by the wayside. I don't know if you've noticed this. His speeches do not get the kind of um, line-by-line fact-checking that they did in, let's say, 2017. And I, I think that's a problem. I, I, and yeah, of course, fact check Biden, fact check everyone. Trump is a uniquely um, uh, maybe figure. I finger. think what
1: they're doing right now is just omitting the things that they know are false from the speeches, rather than yeah, that's into right, it.
2: that's right. But that's an interesting editorial choice, and arguably a, a faulty one. Um, you if think you it's are, a censorship, in a way? I, I don't. I hate the word censorship. I think censorship is only a word we should use with, with how the government treats you. But, but yes, I think there is something to be said about. Um, polishing Trump in a way that um that it can be misleading um just because when, when I've sat and I've watched the the, whole, the the full speeches on purpose I am newly astonished by by some of the rhetoric by some of the behavior by some of the lies and uh right now in February of 2024 those are not getting through to casual news consumers who are checked out and oh, don't want to Oh definitely hear about them. not. I feel yeah. like it's,
1: that's what I'm thinking and that's interesting. so Yeah, he's a bit muted um being deplatformed the, like I don't think people feel the chaos of Trump, and I wonder if that is, is an advantage for him, or is being out there twenty four seven like I just can't figure out what is better for Trump: being out there twenty four seven and being all over the networks, even if he's being criticized, um, or is it being muted? I, I don't Look, know. This is, and like, this is I don't even enigma, understand. It's like the
2: riddle wrapped in the paradox. This is the Trump thing that drives us all bad. Yes, yes. But should
1: we even? Should we just throw that aside anyway? Like, does it not matter? If you're truly a journalist, you should just be like. This is what's happening in the world today. I'm going to tell you, yes, this is what Trump said. It was not true. It was not accurate. But it's like, no matter what you do, it's like, there's always going to be some imperfection. We're human beings. We cover news. I mean, um, we we, we cover people, we cover events, and there's always gonna be an imperfection. But I do, I don't know. I've heard from some Biden people like, oh yeah, muted Trump is better for Biden, but Biden is muted himself.
2: I I don't see how a muted Trump is better for Biden, just as a you know political calculation. Um, but I, I think what you're getting at is really really fascinating. Uh, but I should think you that, think about? I think that th-
1: Hillary Clinton thought that Trump being out there and the exposure was good, was bad for him. But then he ended up winning.
2: That was a coin toss election where anything could have happened, right? And there were a hundred different reasons why. But this is a coin toss election why. too. It might be. I, I'm actually not convinced. I'm, I'm not convinced of that at all. Actually,
1: why not?
2: Uh, I think Trumpism has been defeated so many times, so repetitively by so many people that but right they, now his strength is overstated and over, over um uh, Okay, but like assessed. I think
1: that that's Trumpism when he's not on the ballot
2: has been defeated. Right, you're looking at he, certain swing states where he's right now ahead of Biden and you're saying that's why it's a... a point and off, he
1: right? only really lost in those swing states in the last election by 40,000 votes. So it's like, I, I actually thought he was going to win the first time and my gut says he's going to win again. I really did. And I have it like, I My gut says that he is going to win again.
2: Well, somebody's got to win. Hey, yeah. there we go. There's the name of the podcast. Yeah, Sorry. exactly.
1: But I do really have that feeling when I talk to people. I, I do.
2: There are industries and there are leaders who should think about the third and fourth order consequences of a decision. I remember talking to a tech CEO once who said, I don't want to go out and buy XYZ publication because if I do, then my rival's going to do it. And I don't trust him to own a big news outlet. And I thought, that's so interesting, right? That guy's thinking way down the road, what do I do on the chessboard and how is it going to affect the other players and what will the outcomes be? So there's definitely, that's important. I don't think, though, that you can apply that kind of thinking to daily news coverage. Uh, So so at CNN, I I don't think it was possible to sit there every day or host a show on Sundays and think, if I fact-check Trump aggressively and say X and Y, that's going to cause some voters to... Uh, resent CNN or resent Brian Stalter and think that blah blah blah, and thus be more supportive of Trump. Like you can't be doing those constant gymnastics right. in your head. No it's, calculation. I I, yeah. I don't think that's appropriate. I don't think it's moral uh, in journalism. But I do but understand people why people on the CNN. outside, right? People on the outside want folks to make those calculations. They want people to think about those third order, third order effects. And I and I respect that. And I see why. Uh, I think you you have to just. Uh, uh, try to cover it as thoroughly and, and put it into context as much as you can every day. And, and that's, where I, that's where I think the conversation about whether to platform Trump and air him live gets a little too precious. Um, it should come down to newsworthiness. Is what he's saying newsworthy? Is what he's saying new? Usually it's not. So usually there's not a compelling reason to show him live. It's usually a repeat. It's usually a lie. It's usually he's saying something hoax, hoax. But if he's just been, let's say he's just been convicted in one of his trials. He's, he deserves to be able to explain to, to, to speak and and, and share, share his reaction and especially
1: then, after he's been con- uh after especially after he has to pay for uh dollars. right <laughs> yes yeah, I hear what he has to say does he slander her again
2: <laughs> and that was essentially the calculation within CNN I'm no longer there as everybody knows but but you know that was the calculation he he should have a chance to 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 say his piece now the way I, I think that one of the best ways to handle this if you're on live TV keep the anchor's mic open. Let the anchor interrupt when something truly baddie has been said. When when something defamatory or false has been said, by all means, have the anchor surround that with context, right? Um, but, I, but like I think when this, he this- calls
1: Nikki Haley Nancy Pelosi.
2: So exactly, and that's the kind of speech that was barely even shown live anywhere outside the right wing propaganda, you know, machine. So it, it didn't didn't get as much initial pickup as it should have. But those moments are interesting; they're they're worth studying. So is the mood music around his rallies. I, I know that you've you've experienced this. Knowing what the, I mean, McKay Coppins recently wrote about this in Atlantic, others recently have as well, understanding what the gravitational pull is among the minority of Americans who do count themselves as Trump fans. Um, I think it's important to point out lots of Republicans are not Trump fans. They might vote for him. They don't actually like him. Uh, But understanding what that cult phenomenon is about is really important. And so, you know, I I always, I roll my eyes at some of the criticism of don't go to, don't go to diners and interview voters. I think we should go to more diners and interview more voters.
1: Here's the thing and I I really I want to go back into like Biden. I know you think that he's getting covered. I really don't think he is. How does he get his message out? Is it like it worked the basement campaign worked in 2020 because we were in the middle of COVID.
2: Most of us were it in was the basement. Chaos. Yeah. yeah. What was that? Most of you us know, were like, also in the basement. Yeah. Exactly. We were all, we were all in the right. basement
1: with Biden. Like it was chaos. There were literally like dead bodies, you know, being removed from people's homes. It was a traumatic time, but I don't think that they can do. I think they need a more active campaign. They have this message about how the economy is better. Yet, yeah, 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 they want to be out there, and he hasn't done any press conferences. He talks to reporters from time to time. Like, I'll talk to my former colleagues in the White House press corps, and they're like, "He did a scrum this week. Oh my god, he said the borders like the borders open. Okay, big deal. You know what I mean?" Um, so it just feels like he's very disconnected. And they and I know from the White House, they complain that they don't get enough coverage. They also complain when there are pundits who say that they're doing things wrong. They complain, you know, as most <laughs> White Houses do. Yeah, yeah, yeah But yeah. but they also don't pl- com- like they're really not covering when Biden hits Trump either. They're not covering him when he does his, you know, whatever democracy speech. Um, how whatever does Biden get out there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't well, think that's going to work, by the way. That's my opinion. But um,
2: care, how does Biden about, get out about there? about demo- invoking democracy is not going to work?
1: I don't think it's going to work for general election voters. I care about democracy, but I'm just being honest. Like, I just don't think it's the strongest case. I really don't. I think people take it for granted. I really people, do.
2: People definitely take it for granted. But Biden's going to be able to raise the salience of it so high by September that uh, it, will be, it will be on the ballot. But if the Trump folks people want to cover
1: Biden. But what if they
2: don't? (laughs) Well, okay. So number one, there's my first pushback. My first pushback, just just for fun here, is that um, uh, Biden part isn't part of Biden's campaign message that I won't be in your face yelling every day like Trump was. Wasn't that part of his point in 2020? Isn't that going to be part of his point this year? You don't have to worry about me. I'll be off in the White House. His poll numbers are
1: so low now. You know, it's a different game, and there was a really. There was a rejection of Trump, and it wasn't that overwhelming. That's the other thing. I don't think it's the same campaign. That's the point I'm making. But if you think it's the same campaign but no, as 2020... No, I not think
2: it's the same campaign, but I, but I think in a, in a country that is driven by negative partisanship and uh, this kind of sad, sad hatred of the so-called other side, um, Biden does not appear to be a figure that can, can transcend that or bridge that or make people feel better about any of that. Right. And that clearly is... Uh, it, it's pretty clear it's not going to happen. Thus, his... You know his strategy is going to have to be to uh, to 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 point out Trump's sins over and over and over and over again. And, you know, I I, I guess my impression hope that is, is covered. Hope that is covered. My, uh, he doesn't my make great TV, Brian. Guy.
1: I will say that too. He doesn't make great TV.
2: <laughs> Conflict uh,
1: drama—that's good TV.
2: But there have been right, but there have been moments when he has come out and surprised everybody. When he's on his game. When he takes on Trump directly. When when he surprises people. Now. Look, I was I was on the BBC last week, and we were covering the um, the the Biden speech in Manassas, where he was talking about Roe v. Wade and abortion. And obviously, one of the most important topics for the president this year. And there's so many protesters that the message was completely lost on live TV, and the live TV broadcast was completely you know uh, blown up. So there's all but of those. But that's X actually factors, a sign right? of
1: actually a huge problem for Biden in the next election, which is going to be how do you get the young people who you need to be your base going out campaigning, organizing for you when they're so angry at you about Palestine which to me is like just as worthy as covering as your thoughts on abortion and democracy, which they've made very clear already. I mean, that's a whole other...
2: I think that's a big flashing red light. And I think the other big flashing red light for the Biden people, which I think they're aware of, it's what uh, I, I saw uh, Chris Hayes post this on Threads last week. I'm going to quote him. He says, do the campaign people understand the degree to which he's being annihilated on the social media platforms where young people get most of their information about the world? Right, TikTok. he's talking about TikTok. Right, he's talking about this sense that um, that anything you see online on social media about Biden is is mocking him, is ridiculing him, is critical. Totally. Some of it untrue, some of it true, but just a nasty, uh, you know, What's the saying about and always these fighting the team isn't the on TikTok war? yet,
1: although they're trying to Im- get influencers involved. I am now on TikTok. I've been my, seeing
2: that. Yes, I've been yeah, seeing that. Yeah, it was
1: my um, New Year's resolution to get on TikTok because I was terrified of it. And, you know, they say when you're doing a New Year's resolution, you should take on something you're afraid of. Um, so I've been doing it. I've tried to post something every day. What have you learned you Follow so me at Tara Palmieri while I
2: struggle through it. <laughs> you struggle through Why is it a struggle?
1: Um, because of the video editing and just like talking into a camera is awkward. It's like you you're looking into your phone and then you want to be casual, but you want to get interesting in point you want to get interesting points out, but you also want a good hook and you only have a minute. The kids don't really want to sit around and listen to you for too long. It's a younger audience. So <laughs> you have to be in- like I am informal, but you also have to not lose people in the details. It's you know, we get in our like our insider minds and you got to be a little you got to step away from it it's a bit more it's like abc it's like working in network a bit you have to get outside of the the insider bubble
2: right 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 then you have to offer value
1: at the same time it's kind of a it's interesting blend right right i've noticed lately more than headlines
2: now that i've you know i've been back on cnn lately i've been on other cable news networks a bunch and i sometimes will take my hit it's maybe five minutes long i'll cut it down to the best 45 seconds to share on social, and it it is so much better when you cut it down like that. You know, it goes back to the editing thing about Trump, right? Like, um, there is something to be said for everybody can use an editor, uh, and uh, <laughs> I definitely am one of them.
1: I heard that more people are watching TikTok than Netflix right now, so actually, maybe this conversation shouldn't really be about MSNBC and CNN um, or Fox. Well, because
2: you know, it's really, complicated. TikTok all is of what the you above
1: talking about. No,
2: it's all of the above because then, then there's in-depth podcasts. There's this format where people gravitate uh, to long conversations because they are thoughtful. I, it, we're in an all of the above media environment. We're in an environment where there's so much trash, but there's also so much treasure. And the hard part is knowing the difference, like being able to sort it, being able to separate the trash and the treasure is the hard part. Um, but I, you know. I, at the end of the day, the cable news networks, the broadcast networks, they do still matter enormously because they do still have an agenda-setting function. They do still set a tone. Uh, Trump will still again run against them, right? Fox will still provide cover and air support and all the rest for him. They are. Do you still think that they really are doing that? Factors.
1: I want to get back Fox, to Fox, definitely.
2: actually. F- Fox is absolutely back in Trump's corner, uh, you know, challenging Nikki Haley. Yes, individual hosts will have their differences. Yes, individual, you know, shows m- might even call them out for lying once in a while. But as an institution, uh, I view Fox as more anti-Democrat than pro-Republican. And so once it's clear who the Republican is, Fox will, you know, know its mission, which is to uh, use Trump to defeat Joe Biden. And so, uh, so yes is the answer.
1: When did this happen? When did Fox become pro-Trump again? Like, just, so, I know this is like the, the whole source of your book, Network of Lies, go out and buy it. But like, can you give us like a very quick, you know, recap of when this, when the, the switch happened? Because they had Ron DeSantis on their morning show every day. That He was the golden boy on Fox for a while.
2: Rupert Murdoch said, we're going to make Trump a non-person. You know, it could not have been more clear. This was not a conspiracy theory by Jason Miller and Dan Scavino. This was real. This was a real conspiracy. Like, Fox really was out to to, to end Trump as a political figure. So, by the way, was Mitch McConnell and so were others. so what changed? Uh number 1, the Mar-a-Lago raid. As you know, that's the the you know the beginning of uh the audience the the GOP base coming back to Trump. That certainly was true at Fox. Jesse Waters on the air saying, "I feel violated," right? That there was an immediate stand with your your ally, go back to your to your home. Um and then certainly, you know, indictment after indictment after indictment. But but I think Fox had largely People perceive Fox to be a leader of the GOP media operation. It's really more of a follower. It is following the polls and the and the base votes. So, you know, when poll after poll is showing Trump consolidating his his advantage, you know, Fox, Fox knows. Fox knows what to do, so to speak.
1: As like I was saying earlier, television requires drama, right? Conflict.
2: <laughs> it's a good point.
1: Yeah. Um, so we need our micro dramas. And the latest micro drama is Nikki Haley. First Trump, even though there's really a David and Goliath thing in which I don't think David will win, sadly. but how long does the media keep covering her? Like is she Rick Santorum, or we you know, is it time to just give up? I mean, I've always wondered that when when DeSantis was I guess before he dropped out, I thought to myself, if he comes in like four or five percent in New Hampshire? Can the media justify continuing to cover him until South Carolina? Because like when you're ignored, that is the worst thing to happen to a person in politics. It's worse than losing in a way, Um, because you can never go on from there. Nikki Haley, when does when does the media stop covering her? Because I saw on Monday she was on all the networks, she's on all the cables. Um, People are still writing about her, but all indications say she has zero chance of winning.
2: Well, in that case, then South Carolina is the time when the coverage will start to slow down, right? Uh, after after South Carolina, that is. Uh, listen, she's a she's an important figure for the same reason that Liz Cheney is an important figure, who's booked all across television, whose book is still number one on the Times list for seven or whatever weeks in a row. Uh, and as she transforms into the next Liz Cheney, uh, you know, she will. Uh, I, I suppose the attention will will fade when she's not if she's not a candidate. But isn't the isn't the important?
1: But like Dean Phillips isn't on TV at all. He's still a candidate.
2: Uh, sure. He's I, running I against Biden. Of, I, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to let the media off the hook, but like when Nikki Haley's campaign wants to be on TV, they're on TV, right? Like th- some of this is about uh, putting your candidate in a position to be on set and be available and be ready and have something oh, no. new to Dean say. Oh no, Phillips
1: people, they want to come on. They want to come on this show. In fact, they've come, they are, they are trying. They want to go on. He said he, he claims he's been deplatformed. I don't know if I believe that, but you know. That's what he says.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Jen Uger says he's running for president too. All well, right, you know, on the Democrat ticket yeah, there's, the there's a bunch didn't
1: do of do that bad. I mean, I guess I have to, I don't remember exactly what he came in in New Hampshire. He's raising a ton of money. Uh, what's the He ton? probably he's not yeah. going to be president, but neither is Nikki Haley, you know?
2: Um the the X factor with Haley and Trump is obviously the the trial schedule. And 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 where are we by the convention? And I, you know, I still think this is a sleeper. I, I know everybody knows he's been indicted four times. I still think this is a sleeper, a little bit of a topic, uh, because we've never been in this uncharted territory before, <laughs> you know, as a country, literally, an entire, you know, history of the country, never been in this moment. And I don't think it's really, there's like 10 different ways this could go. And I think, I, you know, that's, I, I I guess I see why Haley has an argument, but uh, maybe that's just me rooting for the conflict. Like you said, the drama, the drama.
1: Yeah, I actually think that Trump is running because of these legal issues, so I don't think they would make him drop out. I think it would only make him even more motivated. If he didn't have legal issues, I wonder if he'd even be running for president, frankly.
2: Legal issues is a fantastic euphemism. (laughs)
1: Legal (laughs) issues. (laughs) Right, exactly. Okay. Already, the Trump campaign has apparently told um, Von Hilliard of of NBC that they could not go into a scrum or something with them. I can't remember exactly what happened, but... I think his not be a part of the
2: pool that day. Yes. The pool. Yes.
1: That's it. He was not allowed to be a part of the pool because of um, something that well, he not we, we don't
2: know, but it seems like it was because he was challenging Elise Stefanik uh, about the Eugene Carroll uh, charges of uh, the case. Got case. it got it but yes that was an early an early indication of how the trump team is going to treat uh the national media a media that of course you know it, it cares deeply about wants the attention wants the press uh but is also uh, going to going to fight and gonna challenge and gonna and gonna break norms with
1: yeah, I remember when Sean Spicer wouldn't give me a press credential and tried to kick me out of the White House. But I think that was more about him than about Trump. But the fact <laughs> that, that that was the culture. Um, I wonder, though, you know, do you think that Trump would ever take away press credentials um, in the White
2: House? I think They did try to do
1: it to Caitlin Collins, of too. Of course. And
2: they, and they did it to Jim Acosta, and CNN had to right. sue uh, in order to to uh, yeah, right. set a precedent in that case. Listen, I think that is that is one of a. We could make a list of twenty five or thirty or forty examples, uh, of y- use of government power to punish the press, to intimidate the press, and I think I think we need to be honest about all the possibilities. Um, I was talking with a, a news executive yesterday and asking. Um, you know, are you thinking about what happens when your company is audited by a second Trump, uh, uh, you know, uh, IRS, uh, by Trump IRS? Are, are you thinking about what other ways the you, tools of government will be used against your outlet? And the short answer was, yes, we are thinking about it. There's little that can be done ahead of time. Right. These are hypotheticals. Um, but I, I, you know, look, Trump, one of Trump's closing arguments in New Hampshire was to promote Viktor Orban uh, and to promote the, you know, Hungary style leadership. Uh we have seen in Hungary the diminishment of an independent press, uh, the you, the levers of government used against real news outlets, and and it happens in a way that's hard to prove sometimes because you know there will be new regulations applied, for example, to strip press passes, some sort of you know bullshit language in a in a in a in a government document that's used as a pretext, and then you'll have a friend of the president, a friend of the prime minister, call up and say, you know, we can take this problem off your hands. You just sell that news outlet to us, and this will go away. And those kinds of that kind of strongman behavior is something that I, I think, you know, we're, listen, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see a lot written and talked about in the coming months about those possibilities, even though for now right. it's Maybe just We're getting a little, right far, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. It's um, all so, right? It's, it's hypothetical, but it's going to be worth analyzing this year.
1: Yeah. They didn't win in the last administration. That's for sure.
2: That's a great point. That's a great point. And that's, you know, that's the thing. I don't think most Americans want an Orban style government. I really, 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 truly don't. I don't think that we, there's no data that suggests but that they Americans don't know want a strong
1: their, man. Here's the problem, Brian. They don't know what that's like. See, where, way back in USSR, where my family comes from, you know, you don't know how lucky you are, but true. Like a lot of people don't know what it's like. They take democracy for granted. And that's why I don't think it's the strongest argument. My colleague, Dylan Byers, who is an excellent media reporter like yourself, um, he wrote that um, CNN's Mark Thompson has an ethos at CNN that should cover Trump like he's any other presidential candidate. When he makes remarks, you should cover them. um, And it should, you should just go with your instinct, go with your gut. Um, I was wondering what you thought about that, about what his, um, his mandate
2: Number one, I don't think it was a mandate, <laughs> uh, but but I do think that those are this is an example of those conversations I was talking about that are happening inside these places, and I, I think going going with your news instincts, I think the message that Mark was trying to express there is don't overthink this, don't think you know I was talking earlier about those third and fourth order consequences, right? Don't overthink it. Um, do what is right. Do what is right editorially. Uh, follow your news judgment gut that you've honed for decades. I think that's, I think that was the message. But a
1: lot of it revolves around ratings. If you work in that business, the news gut revolves around ratings.
2: It, ratings, ratings are a factor. I look, I spent almost a decade at CNN. Of course, I cared about my ratings. I looked at the spreadsheet every Tuesday morning. I would look and see, hey, was Tara a, a highly rated guest? Uh, of course you were. Um, but, of course. that's actually a part of the... <laughs> But but to get actually to that level of detail is the flaw, is the screw-up. And that's the mistake that was made at Fox, and we saw that in the Dominion case, to try to make those calculations based on, well, oh, should I should have taken a commercial break a minute sooner. Oh, should I should have covered Trump a minute longer. That's actually, that's where the place starts to fall down. Uh, I think, you know, we talk about news guts and news instincts. You know, you go with that over the, what's the minute-by-minute minute ratings calculation. I'm not denying ratings are, are important. I'm just, you know... Uh, the choices about Trump and Biden, I think, are so much bigger than that.
1: It's it's a little I think it's complex. Obviously, like you want to keep your show if you're the host of a show. So you have to have good ratings, right? You want to keep your advertisers. It's a, there's a lot of business considerations that go into it as well. So, um, which is the part of the news business that really you're not supposed to think about as a host, journalist, et cetera, right? That's supposed to be the salespeople, the business people, but it's impossible not to, especially when they're putting them out every week. But what's your gut say this time around? Do you think Trump's speeches and rallies are going to be good for ratings this time around?
2: I think the American electorate is, is so exhausted, um, so turned off by all of this, that uh, number one, I don't think he'll be giving rallies as often. And number two, I don't think they'll be shown as widely. And Number three, I don't think they'll be as popular. Uh, I think when we look at the ratings for Fox's town halls with Trump, when we look at ratings for interviews with Trump, uh, you know, Fox might get a million viewers more than on a typical night. Uh, I'm thinking back to a recent, I think it was, it was at Brett Bear and Martha McCallum's Oh, really? So the ratings have gone down. So like, look, if Fox is getting 3 million viewers on an average night, and then Trump is on, Trump is on, Fox will get four, maybe even 5 million viewers. I I would argue that's actually a sign of weakness, not strength. Now, you'll probably disagree. I know the Trump team would disagree. Trump is a, he is one of the most famous people in the world. Um, not as famous as Taylor Swift, but close. And he he should be drawing 10, 15 million viewers when he is on television. My my point is that he's not. My point is that you know when Newsmax airs a rally, sure, a million viewers tune in. What that tells me is the cult is real, but the cult's not growing. Um, yeah, I have agree. No that idea not growing. how he's going to grow that audience. I think, and then the for thing- the rest of the the rest of the media, running Trump means. Uh, is he about to defame someone? Is he about to lie about this? Is he about to lie about us? And I, I think those those clearly, those calculations, again, post January six um, uh, have have been have been have been changed,
1: ok. What about running a Trump rally or a clip of it on MSNBC? Does that drive up the ratings in terms of, like, resistance moms and people like that? Do they get fired up watching that? And isn't that exactly what uh, the Biden team needs? They need fired up Democrats going out? and voting against Trump, it's kind of like a different audience for every, you know, each, each cable has its own audience. So doesn't the Biden team sort of need MSNBC and maybe CNN to cover the chaos? Like if they don't cover it, then people sort of forget or they don't, or they're not as engaged?
2: I, I you know, I, I hear you, but I think the reality is that the these campaigns have very little, basically, no power to influence those sorts of things. Um, you know what? They're, what, they're what banking
1: it, on it, though, Brian. What, they what are What did Trump banking do? Like, Trump just sits on
2: Truth Social and screams about Fox, complains about the coverage. Like, that's all he can do is try to pressure them in public. Uh, but the the Biden fact campaign, that the Biden campaign
1: to, yeah. is based on the idea that the Trump chaos will turn off voters that requires the media to com- cover the Trump chaos
2: sure Uh, look the media covers trump every day already like that's that's the way i see it uh people aren't as interested as they used to be but there's uh, again i think there's a lack of fact-checking that i think is a problem but beyond that i think there's there's plenty of discussion of trump's legal woes and and how he's gonna uh, try to respond to these these challenges and and all of that um and what he's saying so he's gonna be on tv
1: more when it's when there are trials
2: well he's he's gonna yes he's he's look he's for better or worse, he's going to be the main character of our year. I think we all recognize that unless there's something strange that happens Nikki Haley is suddenly able to surge ahead and become the nominee. He, and e- even in that case, he will be a third-party candidate, I presume, because he will bring his fans over to whatever he wants there to do next. There are sore so. loser
1: laws against that, actually, in this country. Oh,
2: that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's but he right. will
1: try to tank her candidacy. There's right. no he, doubt he, about that. He will still try he'll to be the a main character. He'll do a writing campaign. You know, he'll <laughs> do something like that.
2: Right. No matter what, he will January be the, the main on, uh, character uh, of
1: you know, <laughs> yes. started a little he, will, early.
2: Yeah. he will be the main character of the year. And so news outlets have to just judge newsworthiness. Um, it's it's both incredibly complex, but really simple. Like, you know, among like liberal Twitter, or liberal X, there's all these arguments. Why isn't the New York Times putting on the front page Trump's latest sin? Right. This should be a full page story. And then there's a, at the same time you hear people saying, uh, don't give him oxygen, deplatform him, don't let him speak like th- these are you know, you can't have both those thoughts going at the same time, right? This is how Trump ties people up in knots. It's how he he becomes a riddle, wrapped in a puzzle, wrapped in a paradox. The solution, I think, is Mark Thompson win, said. How he wins, kind
1: of, weirdly. To
2: some extent, I mean, he's only won once. It was barely. Uh, but, I, you know, to some, that's why Mark Thompson, I think, says, just follow your instincts. Like, follow your gut. Don't overthink it.
1: Right. Right. Well, I guess we're going to see
2: but we have 10 more months to overthink it. So <laughs> that's so <what> we will.
1: <laughs> right now, what do you think when when I when you're watching CNN, MSNBC, Fox, what percentage of their coverage do you think is Trump versus Biden right now? Like if you could. I don't. Truthfully, I don't watch a lot of TV.
2: <laughs> I really don't. I think the answer to your question is that Trump is the main character, uh, but that's but how, what enlarged. percentage
1: would you say right now? I don't I don't what?
2: think I could give it a percent because every day is different. You know, when the defamation uh you know case it concludes with you know concluded with Eugene Carroll, you know, uh, that Trump was ninety-five percent that day. Um but, you know, he is the main character and he gets more, he gets a higher percentage than Biden because of this unique situation, you know, the disgrace, twice impeached, uh, inside an insurrection, indicted four times, an incredible legal peril. You know, th- th- there are there are layers of drama, I used the word drama earlier, there are layers of drama baked into Trump that are not there about Biden uh, that I believe will ultimately hurt Trump in lots of different ways. You know, you could make the case that it might help him in some ways as well. Um, and so that's that's why it's referendum on Trump this year.
1: Yeah. Although I did see Hunter Biden sort of rip a page from the Trump playbook when he showed up uh, at the
2: on um, un- Congress for that. Yeah, you know, testimony. Uh, that's why Unsup- I'm not voting. That's why I'm not voting for Hunter Biden.
1: Yeah, but it was kind of smart, though. He had the media on his toes. <laughs> lots of cutaways. You know, it was. A, sure. sure. It was interesting. It mm-hmm. was definitely. Um, it, I wonder if Biden ever did anything like that, if there would be some sort of if they would actually get coverage.
2: Look, the best right. detail in that Time story about Taylor Swift and the Biden campaign about you know they're hoping that she'll endorse, et cetera, was the idea. So, and some someone at the campaign, half in jest, said uh, maybe he could should go to the era's tour. He should go to a Taylor Swift concert. Like that's the kind of thing that if it, it was actually happening, right? If, if and, and I know Biden's yeah. not going to do that, but those are the sorts of things. I, I think there is an audience out there for politics that's not being served right now that that sees a clip of Maryland Governor Westmore shotgunning a beer at the Ravens game that gets excited. Now, do I think that's how American politics, you know, should be judged? And is that the best? No, of course not. But like, but, you know, that's that's why I say the last two elections were hope and change elections. And this one is not because there are not we're not going to have those moments. Like I don't think Donald Trump's going to show up at a Trump rally yeah. and shotgun a beer.
1: People are always like, that's the thing politics is so scripted. When it becomes unscripted, that's when these politicians win hearts and minds, right? Like, even people saying, like, oh, DeSantis finally doing a selfie with his kid. He seems so human. And, like, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton and wherever she was, a Secretary of State having drinks in, uh, I can't remember, some South American country.
2: Yeah, Cartagena oh. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
1: Cartagena. Like, they get their moment to finally be real. And I know that Biden tried to do that this weekend with his TikTok videos, but then he messed up talking about beer and breweries. But, I mean, maybe... Maybe they can just show Biden in the wild on TikTok and that'll make him a star. I don't know. It's a tough <laughs> weirder o- things t- have happened. Yep. It's a tall order. Yeah. It's a tall order. Okay, cool, Brian. Thank you so much for joining. Um and uh, we we'll re- I hope we'll reconnect and when this all comes to a head, I guess, which I think let's, is. Let's let's revisit right this now. in
2: December of 2024 and see which predictions were right.
1: I'm gonna go with mine, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> That was another episode of Somebody's Gotta Win. I'm Tara Palmieri. I want to thank my producers, Devin Baroldi and Connor Nevins. If you like this show, please follow, share it, and rate it. If you like my reporting, please go to puck.news.com and sign up for my newsletter, The Best and the Brightest. You can use the discount code Tara20 for 20% off. I'll be back next Tuesday.